Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to Here's Where It Went Wrong, the podcast where every week we have on one of our favorite comedians to talk about one of their favorite things, and we trace its history to find out exactly where it all went off the rails. I'm Windsor Power. I'm joined as always by my co-hosts, Andrew Nadeau. Andrew, how you doing, buddy? I am doing so good. This one was so fun. We had Sahana Srinivasan on, who we have been trying to book for months, and she is so wildly successful that she has had no time. She's the host of Brainchild. She was in Fear of the Walking Dead. She's just done a couple episodes of Insecure. She's been absolutely killing it. I'm so glad she could take some time out to do the show because I know how busy she is. Yeah, this is such a good one, too. And we went into something that is very near and dear to my heart, being a stupid gym rat. <laughs> yeah, we've got the entire history of weightlifting here, which, of course, I found absolutely fascinating, along with some traumatizing stories from my childhood. I got to be honest, I really want to hug little Andrew after this conversation. I was doing fine. I just took absolutely everything way too seriously. <laughs> It sounds like it, and I love the hell out of you. It's not too far off from how I am as an adult. This was slightly more awareness. This was a really cool episode with a lot of fun history. I'm so glad Sahana could be here. I just had a blast on this one, so let's get right into it. Let's go. Sahana Srinivasan, thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We've been trying to schedule this for months. You've been so fantastically busy because you, you're killing it. You hosted Brainchild. You're on Fear the Walking Dead, now on Insecure. You're doing great. Thank you. That means a lot. I also am just bad at responding because of my ADHD and anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Perfectly yeah. appropriate reasons. Yeah. No, and I, I got to meet you when I was out in LA to do some shows. Yeah, yeah. That was fun. For some reason, I don't know why. I don't know if you remember this, but I thought you were going to be bald. Yeah, I apparently give off both old man and bald vibes was something I learned because <laughs> I introduced myself to Sahana and she says hi and you know introduce yourself like, like no we've been we've been talking for months she's like oh no you should have been bald <laughs> I truly I don't know what it was maybe I in- looked at his profile pic and just like interpreted it weird or something no I I get it honestly you said it and I was like no that sounds right I honestly that's <laughs> how I would picture me too <laughs> wait was this before or after your pandemic haircut because in the pandemic he had some locks he had a beautiful <laughs> mane that was down to his oh, shoulders really? yeah yeah, it got pretty down there. Yeah. So I guess at this point I had a reasonable haircut, which I, I need to get again. Honestly, that was the thing too. Pandemic is like, oh, so you only need to get a haircut like once every 12 to 16 months. And now I got to get back in there. Yeah. A lot of people grew up their hair and now they have to change their personality yeah. to match it, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Andrew was walking around looking like a law professor in like the 90s who was like hip at one point. <laughs> Fantastically hurtful, but accurate depiction. That's exactly what I was going for. <laughs> When you had a really fun topic for us today, too, that was a lot of fun to research and also something that when already had information on because it's part of his life. So please tell us about what you wanted to discuss. Bodybuilding and weightlifting. Yes. When's time to shine. <laughs> You're into it as well. To my own detriment. Yeah. It's fun. I'm in a brace right now and I can't wait. Yeah, for- I saw that. I'm a dummy. I had a few beers that are like one of those like arcades where they have one of those punching machines. And I'm just like, I'm tough. 
and I sprain my hand on a punch. <laughs> that moment is why I train. It's to like have that weird moment at a party where they're like, oh, can anyone do a bunch of push-ups? Or yeah. push-ups? And I'm like, I can. And I have that badass moment. That's literally a thing. But then it's sad that you like kind of fucked it up. <laughs> you blew your moment when is what I'm hearing. <laughs> Not only did I fuck it up, my score was terrible, uh, which no. is why I then punched it a second time, which hurt my wrist even worse. Uh, that's where it went wrong. <laughs> exactly. Look, the point is, I said Andrew was the smart one for a reason. It's because Andrew would not have punched it once and I did it twice. <laughs> that is the thing about bodybuilders is we're like, we're strong, but like not up here, you know? <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Just to further convey Wen's point, I actually did try one of those once and missed, which was not something anyone knew you could do with one of a stationary punching machine. Andrew, that means you've never punched one, so you're still in the clear. Still winning. <laughs> All right. So, so, so you actually train, you weightlift. Yeah, like, you know, casually. Casually, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I, like taking creatine and all these stuff. I'm like, yeah, it's just a side thing. The thing is you can't, well, I'm, it's not like I'm, I just tried it like once or twice, creatine things. It's a safe supplement, right? I don't know. If you want to be like really strong you kind of have to take it really seriously, but it's not like I'm like trying to become a power lifter. It's just like side thing, but also not. You still want to be good at it. You still want to take it serious and get it done right. Yeah. Yeah. What started you into weightlifting? Honestly, like if I were to get a little vulnerable here, mental health stuff, I just had like body image issues my whole life and like wasn't eating properly. I was tired of thinking that way. And I was like, no, this is cool. Like I get to like eat more and like be really, I wanted to be like the strongest person on the planet, which is also kind of like bad in a different way. You know, any extreme is bad, but like I did take it in a healthy way. It kind of just changed my mindset, you know, on my body image and really helped that. And also just general mental health stuff, because it feels good to like lift heavy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I know when for you, that's, that's been a part of this too, both body image and you use it as part of your therapy, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a huge part of my therapy. Like being in this brace right now and not being able to weight lift has been torture because I can only do like the elliptical and abs and I'm a meathead and I like picking up heavy things and like putting them back down a good bit. I'll put on a <laughs> podcast and like I'm in there for like an hour and a half and then I leave. I'm like, this is great. And I feel like lighter than air. I think it's also good for me because like my main thing is, you know, acting and comedy and art. And this is like somewhat like so like not in the same field, you know, and I'm still so passionate about it. And like, it's nice to have something that has nothing. Well, kind of it has something to because you know at some point I was like oh I want to do more action films because like you know that has something to do with being strong and stuff yeah you kick zombie ass now <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> I had to use a bow staff and it came really easily to me because I already had like forearm muscles and stuff and they were like well like do you know how to use it and I was like no I don't know anything about it yeah, I can only do one <laughs> trick on it but like it was useful but you nail it yeah <laughs> yeah I don't know it's like with comedy and acting it's harder to like see like the progress isn't as tangible Whereas in the gym, you're like, okay, last week I could do 25 pounds. This week I can do 30. Cool. Like I can literally see the numbers going up and I can see myself getting stronger. And I also like to like compare, like it's like a good analogy to like everything else. But like stand up, my, my friend actually talked to me about his name is Sahil. I should give him credit. But he was talking about 
how like eating is the same thing as writing and like the gym is your open mic. Your muscles are going to grow if you keep writing and going to the open mic or whatever. So you can like compare it to everything that you do, which is cool. Yeah, that's definitely my whole thing too, is I do so much writing and like trying to make jokes and writing scripts and everything that it's just nice to have something where it's just like, I do not have to work my head as much. I can just go in there. I could be in my body. I could be in the moment. I don't have to worry about any kind of like showing off how smart I am to anyone. I could just be a guy in the gym who is just lifting heavy and then I get to leave and then I can put that cap on later. And it's just really nice and freeing in that way. Yeah, I love that you said you get to be like really present. Cause yeah, you, you literally, if you have to lift a weight, all you have to do is just fucking do it. Yeah. Like you can't <laughs> overthink it or like think about other things. You're just, that's it, you know? Yeah, if you're not in your body, you'll hurt yourself. Exactly. So is that what happened through that punch? You were like kind of thinking about other things maybe? I was probably thinking just like, I'm about to score so high on <laughs> <Yeah>. this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what we talked about before here too, is that, or the challenges that I've had where once I switched to this as a career instead of a hobby and was told, okay, you need to get a hobby now. It's like, no, I write to relax. And they were like, no, no, now writing is going to become stressful. This is going to become something that you have to do. And it's not that I don't enjoy it, but yeah, I, I can't go like, okay, cool. I wrote four hours for work. Now to relax, I'm going to go write four more hours. You know, I, I need to find something else. And I've still, I still haven't nailed that. I, I tend to cook as my break, but I could definitely use something that is a bit less engaged that is, is, I think, as you said, both present and involving my body a bit more than my head. Yeah. I couldn't recommend it more. Yeah. <laughs> so this, not surprisingly, had a fascinating history to go with it. So let's start with where I always do, seeing how far back I can possibly trace this. And weightlifting actually dates back to prehistoric times. Obviously, that's expected, but like actually traceable, because many tribes of this time had a traditional test of manhood that involved lifting a specific stone. Some of these stones containing the name of the first lifter carved into them still exist in Greece and Scotland today. I'd actually heard them called masculinity stones as well, which like, I feel like the term is undoing so much of what your intent is here. (laughs) That's a metaphor come to life right there. Masculinity stones. Yeah. What the heck? So terrible name, but archaeologists have uncovered bronze objects similar to modern dumbbells from 5000 BCE. So obviously part of enough of the culture that we weren't, we had heavy things around us and still chose to deliberately shape for this purpose. The oldest written records appear from China in 3600 BCE in documents detailing exercise routines for soldiers. And weightlifting was found to be important enough that later on potential soldiers were actually required to pass an exam based on weightlifting texts to enter military service. But it extended well beyond the army. Villages would have strength contests as a regular aspect of their lives during the period of the Warring States, which was between 770 and 221 BCE, two specific events rose in popularity among peasants and farmers. One, Chao Guan, a specific form of one-handed weightlifting that instead of a barbell used a guan, which was basically a heavy bar for a door, you know, for the, the gate of the village. The guan would be picked up by one end with one hand, or at least attempted to. So this is obviously trying to hold it up straight with a weighted across the entire thing and at the very end as well. So it's involving a lot of muscles not typically used. However, super relevant if you're in an army that deploys spears, which they absolutely did. So this was not just a test of strength and an activity, but very relevant to actually building the muscles that you would need to be a better soldier. So the second event was Kang Ding, where a weightlifter would pick up a heavy meat cooking vessel. It was the Ding. It was essentially a pot or cauldron with two handles using two hands. And the shape of this making it more difficult was also a factor involved. When I go out of town or even like during the pandemic, 
when all the gyms were closed, I like definitely resorted to whatever we're talking about here. I would like deadlift my fucking couch or like lift some pots or whatever. <laughs> and it works because it's like heavy. I've never done more pushups than at that early stage of the pandemic where I couldn't get any free weights because they were all sold out like nationwide and I couldn't go to a gym. Yeah. And eventually I did buy like a whole Olympic lifting set. It's like chilling in my parking garage. I would just like lift next to my car. No, no. It's very wild looking back to like, it also shows how gym addicted we are that like yeah. the world is in like the middle of it, a giant pandemic. And we're just like, where's a heavy thing we can lift? We got to lift something heavy right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what yeah. if I'm not hot when this is over? We need to do this now. <laughs> yeah, because that's the crazy part is that I'm not doing this for any other reason other than like looking good. It's crazy. I mean, I think it's a great reason, but I'm also not that well. That is a good so. reason. I think it's solid. <laughs> yeah, it's that and mental health. So I think it's I think it's good. It's excusable. Yeah. Look good on the outside and feel good on the inside. That's what I like to say. Exactly. As someone that would love to be in shape, I can't find anything bad about it. It's like, it, yeah, it's just purely a good thing that you're doing for yourself in all aspects. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we have something bad later because this is what the show is about. But so far, we're doing OK. So it's called a Kang Ding where you lift up a, a meat cooking vessel with handles like that. That was the competition. Yes, this was a two handed competition that was popular and the weights used. I mean, these were huge. There's also some writing that suggests that these were used in festivals when someone died and to honor the dead. So there was also a spiritual component to the process as well. I just want to make sure if I carry a grill out for a tailgate, am I competing in a Kang Ding and I can call it that? You're honoring the dead. Yeah, I'm honoring the dead. That is essentially the process of what they had. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> this is beautiful. I have honored my ancestors on so many college football days. <laughs> Well, the weights used in the contest were legendary, too, with one man allegedly lifting uh, weighing 500 kilos or about 1,100 pounds. There are also a lot of records where pretty clearly exaggerating, like this could not be done. I don't know about this one. This is technically physically possible, but would not be easy. But the sport only grew more popular. Records show that during the Han Dynasty, which was 206 BCE to 220 CE, there were a number of professional weightlifting and powerlifting clubs formed and other more unique forms of weightlifting developed in this time, including pulling up trees from the ground and my personal favorite, which was just lifting up deer. <laughs> I'm just imagining like Jim bros during this time being like, you hit deer day, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, what did the, what did the deer feel about this? Like you have to catch a deer and then just pick him up and put him back down. That deer has to go tell this story. It's like the deer think he's been abducted by aliens. Yeah. Why are you late? You're never going to believe this. <laughs> they didn't eat you? No, they, they literally just set me back down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then they just high-fived about it. <laughs> it's kind of like fishing, right, in a sense? I mean, it was basically, yes. It, it was basically the, the deer version of fishing. Yeah. But the Chao Guan, the one-handed form, remained the most popular up until the Tang Dynasty, which was you know, 618 to 908 CE, when imperial court warriors began to engage in other strength contests. And a very interesting one you can find is because, obviously, there is a large history of martial arts tradition as well. Strength training was, of course, a factor. And you see heavier versions of weapons that would be employed in martial arts, some being, you know, 200 pounds or even bigger. And performances done wielding these massive weights, which was very cool to watch. And seeing the artistry behind it, too, it, it feels impossible, but very interesting. But the Chao Guan was also around this time period using the Guajan was when weightlifting became a subject of cadet examinations. The door bars were replaced by weights made according to precise specifications the same way they are today. In fact, wouldn't even be at a place in my 
modern gins. And Yang Shiyang wrote about lifting wooden bars with large stones on both ends during the Ming Dynasty, 1368 to 1644. So like an old-timey dumbbell set was made like that. The bar, yeah. So this was done with stone barbells uh, weighing anywhere from 100 to 150 kilos. And this was when they really first formed in this period. Because beginning almost at the same time as the Chinese, we have records from the Sumerians in ancient Mesopotamia dating back to 3500 BCE. And this was in the form of artwork and murals depicting Sumerians in different feats of strength. And the actual purpose of the artwork is unknown, but modern interpretations believe the murals were created to depict the skill and strength of the Sumerians and scare away any potential enemies. I love how vain that is. <laughs> I like the idea that like, what if we don't get in shape? What if we just put up pictures of us in shape and trust people will get it? Like this was the early Instagram. That's all that was. Yeah. And they're paintings. Like they're paintings yeah. of like you doing like cool shit. So you don't have to prove <laughs> jack shit. Right. That'd be so funny if someone's like drawing his competitor and he's like t- drawing the muscles really. He's like, dude, no, no, I think I look a little bigger yeah. than, than that. I think I'm more buff. I think I'm more stacked actually than what you got there. And yeah. I remember I had a deer in each hand. That's how I remember it. Yeah. So put, so put that in there, you know? Can you imagine being the army that like walks up, sees up scary painting and is like, we got to get out of here, guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, also, you can put anything in the painting. This is a time when people believed in monsters. You could have just drawn monsters. Like, this was like, oh, they got monsters here. We're not going to touch that. But instead, it's like, what? well, this guy could lift something pretty heavy. Not going to go in there. You've never seen me lift, bro. When I lift, I am a monster. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You don't get it, Andrew. Yeah, no. she's going to bring out the worst in both of us, I got to say. <laughs> we also have ancient Egypt developing lifting in the same era, and it was so widespread across the country that it's believed they were the source that spread it to places like Greece and Rome. One of the most popular techniques of the time was akin to the modern clean and jerk where weightlifters would lift a sack of sand overhead with one hand and hold it there. And there's a mural from the tune of Benny Hassan depicting this as well as other artwork featuring men and women exercising with weights. But there was also a significant strength culture in ancient India, both in athletics for wrestling and military training for soldiers. But their weightlifting came in the form largely of club swinging, which is a form now being explored again today for its benefits. I mean, more accurately, culturally appropriated for its benefits. But it's being done, though today it's more often light club swung rhythmically. Back then they were far heavier and basically training to wield melee weapons. But they were popular enough to be featured in Hindu texts. Karas, the heavy club precursor to what are now called Indian clubs, were featured in texts mentioned by both the heroes and the demons. In the Mahabharata, Vishnu was said to use it. And some sources say responsible for forging the original Gada. Hanuman was revered for his strength and what uh, this is the most I've ever sweat during this podcast. <laughs> 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 no, this is really cool to hear because I do see imagery of Hanuman holding a club. So it's like interesting to make this connection. This became significant for his depiction of it. He was revered for his strength in the god of wrestling, of course, and was extremely related to Indian clubs and Hindu texts and iconography. And this linked the clubs with athleticism and Vishnu's association gave it a link with power and a certain amount of reverence. So the clubs would actually be used in battle. So exercise with them was both a form of physical culture and a method of training. And then obviously you had warriors who this, this was something they could do as display practice for wrestling and just an absolutely terrifying weapon too. When this is something that you're now able to use in your daily life, you become incredibly good with it. So this was significant in the development of the sport and Greece and Rome both had their own gyms and stone lifting and forms of dumbbells training, but their value and exercise is pretty thoroughly covered in both our running and wrestling episodes. So guys, feel free to go listen to those if you want to hear more about their gyms. But this was essentially the ancient development of this sport. Then I was expecting something in between then and now. (laughs) 
but we have what often happens when there's a gap, which was the Catholic Church, because there was a significant period while it remained popular in many far eastern cultures. With the fall of Rome in the 5th century, the entire gym culture that had developed so strongly in Greece and Rome dramatically lost favor in Western Europe. And there are theories as to why, but one in particular is putting the cause on the Catholic doctrine in the Middle Ages, as under their beliefs, the body was considered essentially a vehicle for sin. It was something to be transcended and subtextually ashamed of, not enhanced. I also looked at it as a vehicle for sin, which is why (laughs) I wanted to look as hot as possible. (laughs) I was expecting a Catholic take, but you know what? I'm going to enjoy that one too. It's still pretty Catholic. It's just a bad one. I'm a bad reformed one. Yeah. (laughs) I I would love it. I was able to get some Jewish weightlifting in here too, so we could all have representation, but that was not a thing apparently. So it didn't see a revival until the Renaissance when they had their period of rediscovery of ancient Greco-Roman culture. Basically, it was just shut down during the Catholic Church until they got nostalgic about it. And in 1573, Girolamo Mercure published De Arte Gymnastica, a medical book inspired by the dumbbell and calisthenic routines of ancient Greece. It feels very much like something that would be sold in a vegan cafe today. A thousand percent. Yeah. <laughs> After this, dozens of books followed, detailing the importance of exercise and weightlifting, and the following two centuries continued to develop the trend when educators began to incorporate forms of weightlifting and physical activity into their curriculums. This opened up the form to children when it was previously an activity for adults, though there were exceptions for that because some, some groups like the Spartans, of course, began training their soldiers as kids. And because of that, weightlifting became a part of their routine as well. But by the early 1800s, the need for exercise and its presence in schools was slowly becoming an accepted idea, which I disagree with in the form that we have gym today, where you have to climb a rope and it's just dodgeball when you look skeptical. I'm just curious, did any of us actually have to climb a rope? No. I had to try to climb a rope. Wait, you actually had to do the rope? I thought that was made up for television programs. That's what I thought too. They had two ropes. They had a straight one and one with knots in it that you could use as like supposedly stepping posts, but that didn't work either. Andrew, I never believed in the big rope and I never believed in just one big shower room for all the kids. Like Those are two (laughs) things that I thought were lies that television said to give me anxiety. That, (laughs) no, the the rope was, was absolutely Real. It's interesting that obviously in PE, they don't teach like weightlifting, but the first place I ever did try weightlifting was like a cardio weightlifting class that they offered in high school as a PE credit. So I took that and I like enjoy, I just don't like sports. Like I don't like playing dodgeball. I don't like playing like team stuff where I have to like rely on other people, you know, and it's like, it gives me a lot of anxiety, but that's why I like weightlifting a lot. Cause it's just you, I mean, unless you have like a spotter, but like the point of them is to help you not to like embarrass you in any way. Right. I don't know. I'm the exact same way. Both of my brothers were athletes growing up and I was the musical theater kid. And so like when I started working out, my idea was I'm going to look like I could be picked for a sport and then let everyone down. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that as a concept for gym is fantastic in, in schools because it's like, yeah, this is something where you can get kids interested in physical activity and obviously introduce them to new concepts. I just remember for me in elementary school, they had a checklist of all the different physical activity things that you had to do. And if you didn't complete it, you had to carry it over into the next year. And this was the most terrifying thing for me as an eight-year-old who was like, well, I can't climb the rope, so I'm not going to be able to graduate elementary school. Oh my God. <laughs> because oh no. I need to go to 
Harvard and I can't climb the rope. <laughs> and until they give me that check mark, I can't get out of here. Your application essay is like, I climbed the rope I climbed- to get here. What, are they going to check? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gym was a terrifying experience for me. And I distinctly remember it ending and them just being like, okay, but the paper. And they're like, well, it's it's a paper. <laughs> you made me work so hard on that. And like, none of us care. You're the only one here that thought this was a real thing. I love that their response after years of anxiety, they were like, oh, you believe that bullshit? Yeah. <laughs> It, it was ridiculous and it was like it was just weird stuff too like some of it was like do a somersault it was like oh cool I can do a somersault and then some of it was like yeah just climb like 50 feet in the air we're gonna put a very thin blue mat and you know if you fall don't sue the extremes there and there was no like we're gonna help you learn how to do any of it here's the thing that I feel like I should be smart enough to realize is that it was another kid that gave you the check mark like someone the teacher assigned and I could have just bribed that child like I had a way out here but I was also like Harvard won't accept cheaters so <laughs> I'm gonna have to do this the hard way oh my <laughs> Like, Andrew, you're breaking my heart. I want to reach out to little Andrew so bad right now. You know what? That is kind of elementary school education that leads to you becoming a comedian. Touche. <laughs> <So>, <laughs> well played. Yeah. <laughs> so this was when it was introduced to schools and by the late 19th and early 20th century to become like an expectation to be part of it. And then in 1889, there was this Prussian strongman, Eugen Sampson Sandow, who traveled to England to face a fellow performer. At this point, strongmen were performers rather than the competitors, but in a competition. And when he won, Samson initiated this global craze for weightlifting. He even had kings and queens and royalty as fans. He traveled the world and sold training equipment and inspired thousands to go to gyms. The first influencer. Oh, yeah. I mean, it led to the building of more gyms. And because of this, more men went to gyms. There were more forms of weightlifting being introduced. And sport federations began to be formed out of this. In 1891, London hosted the world's first weightlifting competition. And five years later, weightlifting appeared in the Athens Olympic Games. So by the 1920s, it was established as an Olympic sport, but still restricted to men. And there was this small progress in the 30s and 40s when Ivy Russell created the Women's Weightlifting Federation in Britain and Abby Stockton hosted contests in America, but they still were not accepted into it as nearly as they should have been. But weightlifting began to splinter into other sports. In the 1960s, powerlifting was formed as a distinct sport. Powerlifting focused on three lifts compared to two in weightlifting and very importantly was open to men and women from its onset. And because of its accessibility, it became the weightlifting sport of both the para and special Olympics. And though women's weightlifting grew significantly in popularity from the 50s on, it wasn't until the 1987 World Weightlifting Championship that they hosted a women's division, and even the Olympics didn't allow a women's division until 2000. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And that pretty much catches us up. That's the history of weightlifting and how we got to today, which brings us to where it went wrong. Sahana, where did weightlifting go wrong? I mean, I don't know much about CrossFit, but just from what I see, I know it's not the best for you. Isn't it about Olympic lifting, but like with speed? And and so it's like these crazy, like intense lifts, but like how fast can you do it? So you compromise form and therefore like get injured very easily. Yeah. 
the idea is like to combine gymnastics and weightlifting in a way, which is like what they're crossfitting is gymnastics and weightlifting. And I actually did do CrossFit for a month in like 2016. I had like a Groupon that got me in there for like 30 bucks for the entire month. Me and my fiance, my wife now, uh, we went and like we would like go and we'd work out at this place and we would get, you know, it's a miracle I didn't completely rip my shoulder apart because I was, they just like, we're just like have at it guys and I had like more weight than I'd ever lifted before in my life but like the social contract of like oh I'm in a class with all these people so I'm trying to keep up almost made me just destroy my back like I tried to do all like the taking the medicine ball and quickly throwing it in the air against the wall catching it into a squat like box jumps that I wasn't taught proper form on they're just like jump on this box for 10 minutes straight and I would try it and I'd be like wanting to throw up and I had no form nothing thing was proper it was all bad and at the very end of that month they're like okay well if you want to come back next month that'll be two hundred dollars and therefore i quit did you see any changes in your physique i did not i mean it was only a month <laughs> trial and i was still eating like garbage it was before i changed my diet at all to like go along with working out but like i didn't really see as much change as like i just felt cool that i was doing crossfit and like the only thing that i took from it was during the pandemic like at the very beginning I would do Murphs in order to keep up and like train my whole body when I had very little equipment. So that was my experience. There is a big problem with the trends becoming so popular without it. Like there, there have been so many injuries just from planking because that's not something we should be doing daily for extended periods of time. Really? Like just like holding a plank? Yeah. The people that were doing it longer and longer were doing it very often and they said that there have been a lot of injuries out of this because like there's very specific training where that's a good exercise to do. That's you're looking to build specific muscles. Your muscles are already prepped to handle it. But for most people, you're just inviting an injury. And I think CrossFit had a lot of that too, where it's like, okay, well today we're going to throw a tire iron at a goose. And it's like, there's nobody has prepped for, I don't, I don't know the form for that. They kept coming up with weirder and weirder (laughs) things, especially because when it's something that is this new trend, you have a lot of people coming in without any background to it. And yeah, you get a lot of injuries. (laughs) A lot of people who are just should be slow walk through this instead of thrown into the middle. Yeah. I did MRFs during the pandemic to like stay in shape. What is that? What is MRFs? A MRF is a one mile run followed by a hundred pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 squats, and then another mile run, which is just like whenever you can finish that, you try to do it for time, but it's just like whenever you can finish it, like that's a full MRF. And I'm just like, if you're not somebody who works out, like to suggest that like beginners who are taking your one month trial do that is like a recipe for disaster. Right. Absolutely. I've talked with my girlfriend here, but obviously, you know, getting in shape is something I, I want to do. And it's something that just because of health issues, I've seen a physical therapist for it to try and see like, what can I do here safely and help me develop? But she's a black belt and she's like, oh no, we used to do the five mile runs and you would have to, you know, these really steep hills and you'd have to stop and throw up and then just keep going because you still have to finish the run and just these absolutely insane workouts. But it was also something where you are training multiple days every single week for very specific muscle tone that, you know, you learn to handle it, but just thrown into the center of it, it's not going to go well. From what I hear, at least in that situation, there was probably a teacher who like knew what they were doing. But I hear that most CrossFit coaches are like not trained to do any of that and aren't good at what they do necessarily. So it's not only the exercises that are dangerous, but the community itself is like, I've heard just like kind of arrogant. 
it. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of their most famous members is Marjorie Taylor Greene, yeah, the congresswoman yeah. <laughs> in Georgia, who like she'll post videos of her doing the worst fucking pull-ups you've ever seen in your life. Like she's just dead fishing. That's CrossFit <laughs> style pull-ups. There's a particular name for it. Kipping pull-ups, I think. Yeah, kipping pull-ups are the dumbest, like not helpful at all. Like it's just purely so that you could say you did out like a hundred of them, even though like if you were to actually do an actual pull-up, you would probably be doing like 12. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I mean, I, I feel like this is weird because I don't feel like there's middle ground with CrossFit. I hear people either being like, no, man, you got to get into this. This has totally changed everything for you. They can't tell you how when you ask them, but they say it changed everything. Or people being like, I have spent a lot of time learning to work out and this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Yeah. And there's no like, oh, I think CrossFit's OK. There's no it's 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 either extreme. Basically, yes, I, I did it for that one month. I would never do it again because I am positive that I would hurt myself. Like now I have just enough confidence before I was shy enough to hold back. And now, like, as you can see from this brace on my wrist, I am a dumb idiot who will like be like, I'm tough and try to lift as much weight as possible day one and just become paralyzed. That, can we discuss here what you're actually lifting now? Like what levels are you? What is considered good? here if you would like to start no 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 my my <laughs> numbers are like not where i want it to be at the moment so i will keep that a secret for now all right when how about you is this something we're bragging about or is this something that we're <laughs> this is my own personal belief and please if you guys want to roast me for it not just you guys but also our listeners if you want to roast me for it please feel free i believe that bench press is just if you want to play offensive line in football. Like, it serves no purpose, really, at all. Like, it's not a great <laughs> exercise for development. Unless you are planning on being on a line and pushing a 300-pound man away from a quarterback, there's no real reason to be doing it, or you're entering a competition in which you're showing off how much you can bench press. Therefore, I do a lot of dumbbells, free weights, curling bars. And with that curling bars, I'll do squats and I'll do curls and I'll do over the head curls and all that stuff. I do push-ups for chest, but I do not believe bench press to be a great use. But I will say I did top out around, I'd have to look at my notes, but I think 220. I topped out at 220 when I was doing bench press regularly. Which is not that impressive, but it is what I topped out at. It feels good to me. I have no frame of reference. Here's what I've been using as my frame of reference. Last week, I had to move furniture and I like got it off the ground. Like this is my frame of reference. There was this very expensive piece of furniture. Someone said, I'm giving this away. So I said, I'm taking that. And they said, cool. It has a marble top and that weighs 200 pounds and you have to carry it. <laughs> and I said, cool. <laughs> I'm going to like buy a thing, but we're, we're going to see how that goes. And I am covered in bruises. But like it got off the ground and is now in my apartment. I'm calling that a win, but also like a win that would be embarrassing in any actual gym. So that, that's about where I stand. You went back in time to the beginning of just like, here's a stone that you can carve your name in, lift it. Times. Yeah, I went, all, I went all the way back in. Actually, it looks fantastic. It is far bigger than I realized and does not fit into my apartment well, but <laughs> it's something I own now and I got it in. So there's no way it's ever leaving. I like that version of sharing your like your Max or whatever, like a story about you using it practically, you know? Oh, yeah. I have no idea what that translates to into a bench press. <laughs> I can lift a marble slab mm -hmm. six to nine inches off the ground. <laughs> That's what I can do. If someone can do that math and tell me what that is in a bench press, I'm there. Andrew, I'm going to paint that on my door to scare away my enemies. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't forget about you, by the way. You have to say how like your 
your your numbers now. Oh my god! Like how many marble slabs roughly do we think? Like a bajillion. Yeah, That's so many marble slabs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like marble slab. The store, the ice cream place. Like I can lift that thing. <laughs> Stone cold creameries. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I can lift that. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to hear my numbers. I'm still working on it. Okay, we we won't shame. We won't shame here. Okay, We're okay, gonna- fine. My the only the only lifts that I'm kind of like cool with sharing is shoulder dumbbell press. Well, last week I did 37.5 on each side for eight reps. Oh, very nice. Oh, hell yeah. No, that's awesome. Because I share that and then like my squat is like shit right now. So I'm like, not all of my lifts are like good, you know? So like, it's just that random shoulder. It's one I'm positive I can't do. So I'm like, that's very impressive. Also, I feel like we should let you know, like you can lie at any time. Nobody's going to fact check this. True. But <laughs> but hey, I might not get into Harvard. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't want to lie. I honestly, like nine-year-old Andrew was the most stressed person you would ever meet. <laughs> there was everything was so much pressure. <laughs> but I did have one other where it went wrong that I, I wanted to cover because this is currently under threat weightlifting of being removed as an Olympic sport due to Lifting's International Federation's failure to address issues of bribery and doping. And I heard about this and started looking into it. And it's like, oh, okay, well, like, they're probably pretty tight on it. Like, a little bit of bribery, a little bit of doping. It is a lot of both. This has been an issue for decades, along with vote rigging and corruption at their highest levels. The International Olympic Committee finally took steps when they threatened to drop the sport from the game if the International Weightlifting Federation, the IWF, doesn't introduce fixes, including rigorous drug testing and governance reform. And this is necessary to continue competing and leaders of the IWF failed during an important vote in June this year to pass a new constitution that would address the concerns of the Olympic Committee. Like, if you don't address this, you're gone. And they wouldn't change it because the reason acquiring the needed votes was impossible is that entire nations have been avoiding the anti-doping controls because of the current regulations. Like, the whole countries are getting away with this. Much of the blame was put on Tomas Ajan, the Federation's leader. Ajan resigned last year after he was accused of accepting bribes to bear positive doping results. And efforts to hide positive tests date back all the way to the 80s. Richard McLaren, this Canadian anti-doping investigator, said that in 2016, Ajan called the president of the Albanian Weightlifting Federation and demanded $100,000 in a suitcase to cover a quote-unquote fine for lifters who tested positive for drugs. You know how I know that's shady? Yeah. Because he specifically said in a suitcase. In a suitcase? Right. Like, how often is is a fine delivered in a suitcase? Anytime you have to, like, put a fine in a suitcase and leave it at a bench at a train station, you know it's not on the up and up. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, the Albanians were told that if the money wasn't paid, the country's entire team wouldn't be able to compete at the Rio Games. And Ajan claims he fought against doping and was being targeted by nations he'd penalized for doping. Ajan said he built the Weightlifting Federation into one of the, this is a quote, one of the most perfect recognized international federations, unquote, with strict doping controls. But in the past decade, more than 600 lifters have tested positive. And investigations showed that other athletes had substituted others' urine samples for their own. Jean had promised to clean Olympics in 2008 and 2012, but almost 60 lifters who competed in those games tested positive, including 34 medalists. That's so many medalists. It's so many. <laughs> and there was further evidence of drug samples being mishandled and meddling by IWF officials into the actual anti-doping program. McLaren also accused Jean of buying votes and using Federation money for his own needs. McLaren said the primary source of this money were doping fines paid personally to the president and cash withdrawals of large amounts from the IWF account. And McLaren's investigators couldn't tell how much of the money was used for legitimate purposes, but they also couldn't even locate 
$10.4 million. Did they check like the stacks and stacks of luggage that John had in his closet? Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was insane. This was just so absurdly blatant. Like, do the extreme levels of doping. Romania, Thailand, Egypt, and Malaysia were all banned from competing in the Tokyo Olympics, with Armenia, Azerbaijan, Belarus, Kazakhstan, Russia, and Vietnam only being allowed one male and one female competitor each, due to having more than 20 positive cases between 2008 and 2021. But this was, I started looking into, like, why is this so hard to get rid of, considering it's what you need to stay alive? But limiting doping has been so challenging because the level of corruption and internal conflicts is so high, because along with heading the IWF, Jean was a member of the International Olympic Committee until 2010, and an honorary member until 2020, plus a founding member of the World Anti-Doping Agency, <laughs> which gave him access to inside information about doping. This was absolutely insane how deep this went, and it was just ridiculous that you don't see any sort of issue here with the guy who's in charge of this and benefits greatly from hiding this, is running both sides of things. And they're like, he wouldn't be a founding member of the anti-group if he was bad, right. Andrew. <laughs> Thank. This was absolutely insane, and John is gone now, but like, it's not super better yet, but a lot of the frustration about this is because those that are impacted are the athletes who haven't doped because those in charge when someone's caught they make this big declaration about how the rules need to change and they ban someone for it but then they just wait a couple years and those rules are undone by the court of arbitration for sport just a few years later so they face no repercussions except they still punish the whole team or the country so those that didn't dope one had to compete at a disadvantage and then are still punished for the people that doped on their team so this is just a huge absolute mess and the other big issue here is that they keep dropping the numbers because of all this. They had 260 competitors in Rio, then 196 in Tokyo. In 2024, we cut again to 120. And they keep letting this happen rather than change the rules. But they don't have any other significant major television contracts or sponsors or anything to keep them going. The Olympics cutting them out would cost the sport millions. And there's just no recovery from it. But they're still like, OK, but like we want to let Azerbaijan win. <laughs> so <laughs> got to give them a pass. I'm trying to think because, yeah, there are no television contracts or anything, but maybe they should be focusing on getting weightlifters out there to get those contracts, to get those deals. Like, put the mountain from Game of Thrones, he's like a very famous weightlifter, and put him on like a McDonald's commercial, you know? Put him out there. I want to see these just giant shredded human beings lift things that would break my knees in half if I even tried. I think that would be fun for me. <laughs> I mean, we're just brainstorming, but I feel like Wen just solved it. I think that's basically it. The mountain should do a McDonald's commercial, yes. I just yeah, fixed no, the entire <laughs> problem. Or at least with the funding. Well, and it's weird because it is a popular thing. It's still continuing to grow in popularity, but it's not featured like anything else. Like, we, we have strongman competitions that are still shown on ESPN in, like, typically, you know, late at night or in a weird kind of way, or it's like ESPN 7 kind of thing. <laughs> but still, <laughs> they have those competitions like the ones where they have to lift like a giant rock or throw a tire or something. I like the one especially where they have to pull like a 737 airplane yes. behind them with a rope. <laughs> they should put that in the Olympics. I've never seen that. That's like a big thing. They have to go onto like a runway for an airplane with like a big piece of rope that's tied to a plane and they have to see how far they can walk the plane before they give out. Is it like in neutral or something? <laughs> <laughs> I hope the brakes are on. I'm sorry about this your first question because every time I've seen it, like I 
I am sure, logically, I know it's hard, but my first thought was always been like, okay, but it's on wheels. Like, it's <laughs> like <laughs> Just take the wheels out and they have to just drag it with it scraping along the concrete the entire way. Yeah, just drag this like 200 ton plane. Like there's probably some in between between wheels and, no, that's pretty much it. You either have wheels or no wheels. You're not like, there's not like a half wheel thing. If you can go fast enough for them to take off, you win for the rest of eternity. <laughs> oh my God. No, this is an insane competition though. And it is something that, you know, I've, I've watched in the past, but it's also one that it's something that is taken seriously among the competitors. It's it's incredibly challenging. It does have the strongest people doing it, but it's about showing off different feats of strength rather than just specific muscles that would be used uh, in traditional weightlifting. And then for some reason, I think probably for the entertainment value, they use weird things to compete in, including like some that that require difficult grips, lifting these, you know, large spherical boulders and yeah, doing the flipping the tractor tire down a field and when mentioned obviously yeah yeah yeah, they just got to pull a plane are you looking this up when i feel like there have to be more weirder things that they do so chicago (laughs) has an american ninja warrior gym and i want to do it so bad seems really hard it's like coordination it's like so many things and i'm really clumsy so i feel like i wouldn't be able to do that part of it but it seems insane. I would be very interested in watching Wen do it. I I feel like that would be a lot of fun. I, I'm pretty sure I, I would not get very far. So I know one of the other things they live, I can't find the exact list, but one is like hold on like tree trunks, like have to take it from the bottom and throw it and see how far they can get it, which I think that's like an old school Scottish one. Right. Yeah. No, a lot of these are based on not the plain one, but a lot of the other ones are based on like these these older competitions that have been around for a long time. And then obviously once planes became a thing, it was like, well, obviously we need to add that in. That's you can't leave that out. What does that mean? They saw a plane and like, well, we have to use that now. Like no other sport would say that except like, what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> look, I mean, uh, admittedly, other sports are using it to transport their players places. But everyone has agreed they're needed and Strongman just had a more unique take. I can respect that. (laughs) But yeah, Andrew, come watch me do the American Ninja Warrior Gym just so you watch me like tear both my ACLs in one go. Just I'm going to do it on the quadruple steps like obstacle one. We're going to live record this. But as as long as we're on this, we've covered the history. We've covered where it went wrong. We've covered when it's a hottest personal experience in my spectatorness. So that should bring us to in their defense. So how do we defend any part of this that we want to, whether it's the doping, the entire scandal here, or just CrossFit as a whole? I can always defend drugs. I love drugs. All you. Let's go. We should all do drugs. (laughs) Everyone should do it. You know, just not just for weightlifting. I mean, for life, for just getting ahead in general. Like, why not? (laughs) Be the best you you can be. Exactly. That's what it's about. (laughs) It's about like reaching your potential and shit. Yeah. Nobody would be like, oh, it's not fair that Spider-Man won that fight because he has radioactive spider blood. No, (laughs) Spider-Man fucking rules. Okay. Yeah. That's a fantastic start to in their defense. My mind is actually quite similar. Like I am taking antidepressants and steroids are just antidepressants for muscles. I have not Googled that, but I feel like that is probably an apt-ish metaphor. That makes sense. No, this is like, like, look, obviously there's bad stuff and a lot of harm here, but apparently it's worked because 
34 of the 60 people they caught doping were medalists. That's over 50%. Like, you can't argue with results. Obviously, there are some negative results, too. They might, you know, die early. I know there's a lot of testicle stuff back here. There's some negative effects that you can Google those, too. But ultimately, they shows the balance of everything has side effects. My antidepressants, they make me a little foggy in the morning. Not quite as bad as shrunken testicles, but it's not great. And as long as we're balancing our own cost versus reward. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? I'm, I, I, I might have sidetracked a little bit. You sidetracked into effects of steroids and then compared them to your antidepressants, <laughs> but so close together that it was just like, did Andrew just say what now? Right. No, that, that one has, is not a side effect I personally have experienced yet. We're going to try steroids <laughs> and find out how that goes. Uh, <laughs> but look, ultimately, you're making the call here. If drugs are working for you, look, they've banned people for pot now, which pisses me off. So obviously we need to find new regulations to begin with. So yeah, start fixing the pot stuff and then get to the stuff where like everyone that wins a gold medal has done drugs to get there. And then maybe find some medium or start like a side Olympics where it's just people that have done steroids and everyone's just fucking killing it. That's what I got. <laughs> I would love the steroid Olympics so much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to approach this from a different angle here because we dunked on CrossFit a fair amount in this episode. We had fun with it. But if there is something that provides you a community in which gets you active and you're like working out every day and that makes you feel good and helps with your mental health because like we've been saying it's helped us feel good about ourselves it's helped us clear our minds and, and helped us with our mental health and if that's crossfit for you i'm not going to tell you not to do it i'll tell you to do it safely i'll tell you to do the extra research and make sure you're performing these workouts in a way that's not going to cause you any physical harm but if that's the community that you've chosen and you decide to also avoid the problematic parts of that community while also doing it in a safe way Go CrossFit all you want, because yes, like whatever makes you feel good, whatever gets you out of bed and whatever makes you feel tired and sore the next morning. But in that way, that's just like good. Go ahead and do it. And I'll also sidetrack into steroids real quick and just say, look, I see guys who are on steroids and how ripped they look, which is like every Marvel superhero. And I want to look like that. So I'm not going to like dunk on people for doing them. I would totally do it if I had Marvel paying me to do steroids. And you know what? you could quote me on that. <laughs> if I could look like Chris Evans or Chris Hemsworth and like only work out slightly harder, yeah, I would 100% do that. I'm not above steroids in any way. I hadn't really considered that personally because I'm so far from being able to work out. But like, look, I can't work out. If taking pills let me get super ripped, absolutely. You don't even have to tell me the side effects. I know they're going to be horrific. I don't care. That's worth it. This is probably, we're setting a bad example for any children that might be listening. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, like, <laughs> for any kids watching this, just know I'm 100% like telling the truth. Yeah. Like, these are my beliefs. So take it and leave. <laughs> you know what? Some of this episode might have been sarcastic, but you guys have to guess your own which one. Yeah. Uh, so Sahana Srinivasan, thank you so much for coming on today. It was so great meeting you, uh, having you here. I know you were been super busy. We really appreciate you finding the time to come do this. Yeah, of course. No, this was fun. And I learned a lot about, you know, India. <laughs> <laughs> I had two very bad choices and... <laughs> 
I did the best I could. <laughs> so they can find you uh, on Brainchild, now Insecure, and also, of course, Fear the Walking Dead. But social media with your uh, Sahana Srini, they're on Twitter and Sahana.j, Srinivasan on Instagram. Dot Srinivasan, yeah, on Instagram. Yeah, so please go follow Sahana there and check out her videos. That was how I first found her and I think texted her like the next day to ask her to come to the show after your accent video. Oh, thank you. And then the uh, acne video was amazing. So Sahana, thank you for being here, guys. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed, please uh, subscribe. Give us five it helps out so much. We also have a Patreon down in the show notes that helps us keep this show going. We're going to be back next week. We hope you join us then. When? I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.